Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast Tech Stack Edition. Today we are rolling with Lizzie Chapman, VP Partnerships at AdRoll. Today's cast is a deep dive into the coming third-party cookie apocalypse that happens in 2023 when Chrome has promised to fully end all third-party cookies for tracking. In this podcast, you're going to learn exactly what is a cookie uh, and what happens when they go away. You're going to get a full review of some of the efforts that Google is taking to replace cookies for both audience targeting and retargeting, and you'll learn about how ad rolls, email, and ad targeting solution allows for massive gains in conversion rate. All this talk of cookies has me feeling pretty hungry already. On with the show. platform you're using is most likely going to be really generous with their attribution towards themselves. They're going to count click and view through attribution. AdRoll has actually built a cross-channel reporting dashboard that looks at the pathway that a user might have taken. We showed them a Facebook ad, then we sent them an email, then they went to our website, then we sent them an ad in the New York Times, then they converted. Your data is only going to show that the New York Times got credit, but those other channels probably aided in it. So having that pathway analysis can be really helpful to know what influenced this conversion or what was a piece of the advertising that helped. I am here with Lizzie Chapman, VP Partnerships of AdRoll. One of the things that I know AdRoll is super focused on right now is helping users combat the coming third-party cookie apocalypse, as some people like to talk about it as. Can we just back up a little bit and explain to our audience, I'm sure most of our audience really understands what a cookie is and what's happening in the space, but why don't we start with an, uh, like a sort of general overview of exactly what a cookie is and what is happening to them over the next you know, couple of years? What's already happened and what's going to continue happening to them? So there are two kinds of cookies. There are first-party cookies and third-party cookies. Third-party cookies have been the data currency of performance ads for many years. But first, let's talk about first-party cookies. So when you're visiting a website, the website owner can place a first-party cookie on the user's browser that allows them to know what you looked at on their site and provide a better experience. The problem with first-party cookies is they can only be utilized on one domain. Third-party cookies can be used on multiple domains on one browser. So say you visit Nike.com and you look at a pair of Air Force Ones, a third-party cookie gets associated with that product view and anything else you viewed um, on that Chrome browser. And then the next day you visit New York Times to read an article, uh, an ad platform serving an ad on New York Times can see that third-party cookie from Nike on your browser and serve you an ad uh, for the shoes that you looked at. So third-party cookies have been used for retargeting and also broader behavioral and interest targeting for years. Lastly, cookies allow for multi-touch attribution models. So say you viewed um, that Nike ad on New York Times and then two days later, you go and buy the shoes. Uh, the only way that ad can receive attribution is through a third-party cookie today. So they're really the basis of retargeting performance ads um, and a lot of brand advertising on the digital web. 
and to me as a marketer, you know, having come up, you know, in this space for over 10 years now, it just makes sense that you'd be able to kind of retarget people across platforms. Do you think it, the reason that we're talking about a third party cookie apocalypse, do you think it's because there's backlash from users who don't like to feel that they're being tracked around the internet with, with relevant ads? Like why is there this big backlash against third party cookies, would you say? Yeah, so I think something that's important to know is that cookies have been going away for years. Safari and Firefox stopped allowing third-party cookies in various ways years ago. Um, Apple has put limits on device IDs, which is essentially the third-party cookie of mobile apps. Device IDs are actually even more persistent than third-party cookies. Third-party cookies expire after a certain period of time. A device ID is registered to your phone and stays the same forever. And then in addition to that... um, laws have been put in place. So California Consumer Privacy Act and then the EU's General Data Protection Regulations, CCPA and GDPR, for those familiar with the fun acronyms, um, have been forcing publishers to make users consent uh, or opt in to being tracked uh, and cookied. Um, So this is not necessarily a new phenomenon. The difference here in the most recent news, as of now almost a year and a half ago, is that Chrome, which controls more than 60% of global web browsing, is no longer allowing third-party cookies by the end of 2023. This is all based on user privacy concerns. Some browsers care more about it, or should I say, don't have as many dollars tied up into it as others. So Apple doesn't have an ads business. They're not concerned about performance ads. Google very much has an ads business and is very concerned about the performance of ads. Um, So you're seeing it being released a little bit slower with Google and they're being more careful to work with industry leaders. Um, They have an open source solutions being um, like allowing all different companies to come in and make recommendations about how to do this in the future because they also have an ads business and there's a competitive issue there too if they make it really easy for themselves to advertise but not other platforms. That has been an issue and brought up in the news as well. So there's a lot of um, different players in the mix here that have different priorities. Um, But at the heart of it, it really is all about users' privacy and controlling their own data. Chrome, if I understand it, has also has pushed back this date already a little bit. Like they, because they have so much writing on it, and I assume they're trying to come up with another kind of solution. They've actually pushed the date back as to when they're going to fully deprecate the third-party cookies. Is that right? Yeah, so I forget what their original date was. It feels like it was years ago. That was mostly pushed back because of COVID. Um, and companies just weren't able to figure out what to do or put the investment into figuring out a solution around third-party cookie deprecation. The most recent pushback has actually been because of pushback from um, other companies around the competitive advantage of Google. So right now it stands to be the end of 2023. We will see if that happens or not. Uh, But they have made good progress around the the alternative solutions that they're trying to come up with. Um, And AdRoll has been very involved in those solutions as well. So what would happen? So say they just bumped it up and they said, okay, actually, June 1st, 2022, just kidding, we're, we're cutting all third-party cookies by 2022. What would our experience as marketers feel like in that world right now without another solution? Performance would definitely suffer uh, for, for brands' ads campaigns. So we saw these effects with Facebook when Apple released uh, iOS, I believe it was 14.5. Um, This really changed how conversion events could be tracked and forced apps to prompt users to opt in to being tracked. Um, So this limited personalization and performance reporting. Um, And Facebook's performance dropped about 20% for a lot of advertisers. Facebook mostly 
tracks on their app. That's how most people use Facebook. And so they were really limited in terms of what they could do. Uh, their stock price saw that hit as well. Um, so you could expect that performance would drop a lot if this turned off tomorrow. That would be one piece of it. Not only would delivering ads to unknown quote-unquote users become more challenging, but tracking the performance of the ads would be very difficult without third-party cookies. The benefits of online advertising has been the ability to track, which you can't do in TV or with a billboard necessarily. Um, so brands would have to figure out alternative solutions very quickly to understand what's even happening with my ads um, and what should I be investing more into or less into uh, particular campaigns. I think the one other thing that has already happened and would happen at a rapid pace is uh, websites would start to limit content unless you subscribed uh, or entered an email address. Um, websites make money from ads right now and they have to pay people to produce that content. Um, so you'll, we've already seen an uptick in that, uh, but you'd see even, even more of that happening across the web more walled gardens being put up just so that people can find ways to monetize. And I, and I feel like that's a, just a gambit too, right? When as soon as you put any roadblock in front of someone to access your content, you're going to lose 90% of those people, right? But I guess it's the position that they're put in without being able to have reliable, reliable advertising and then specifically reliable retargeting, which for so many advertisers is where that, you know, the ROAS really comes is being able to smartly retarget people who are in the purchase funnel. And when you lose that ability, it's going to affect your whole marketing campaign. And I guess that for ad roll being, you know, the, for so long having your bread and butter be that retargeting, it's probably forced you to look at some new solutions. So what is ad roll doing to combat the third-party cookie deprecation apocalypse? So one of the first things we did, even before third-party cookie deprecation, was to build an email product. Um, that's an important piece of, of marketing, and so we do have an email product that's available to customers right now. More in regards to the third-party cookie deprecation, we built a whole team around future-proofing to start. Um, we put a whole core team into figuring out what is our solution around this. We re-architectured our cross-device graph, the way we utilize first-party cookies, which are still allowed for the most part. We built an internal customer data platform that can intake first-party data, like email and phone numbers, uh, from all different sources so that that can be the new hub to target your email and ads campaigns. Uh, we've become very active participants in groups like the W3C, Google Privacy Sandbox, and other working groups across the industry. The Google Privacy Sandbox has probably been where we spent the most of our time. So as I mentioned before, that's essentially like an open source way to figure out what do we do without third-party cookies to continue to deliver performance for brands. Um, and so we are in ongoing tests with something called Fledge, which is essentially anonymous retargeting and custom audience targeting without third-party cookies. Uh, we're also involved in their attribution API and their aggregated reporting API. We're testing non-Google solutions. So Apple has a new measurement solution. Microsoft has a non-third-party cookie retargeting solution called Parakeet. And then we're working with other uh, identify or technology. So LiveRamp is one of the leading ones. Uh, we fully onboarded LiveRamp's ramp ID, which allows us to target uh, ads without third-party cookies. So we are doing anything and everything to figure out how do we continue to deliver performance without third-party cookies in the future, but still use them today, right? Like they're still available. We are still using them in the places we can. Uh, the good thing about, you know, Safari and Firefox eliminating third-party cookies is we can go and test solutions there, see how it compares to Chrome right now, where you can still use third-party cookies and get a really good gauge on the, the various solutions, and then implement that across everything so we're prepared when 
uh, Chrome also starts not allowing them. So I'm not the most technical person. I do. I have understood cookies throughout my time as a marketer and how you get that data across websites and things. Can you talk a little bit about like what these new solutions, whether it's Fledge, what are they trying to do without cookies? Like what even just just theoretically, what what's actually happening there to get that data across platform while being within the boundaries of, of the you know evolving laws and things like that? Essentially, what they try to do is broaden the size of the audience. So right now, a third-party cookie is one-to-one. That example I gave up front is I go on Nike and the New York Times. I have a very specific cookie tied to me that says this is exactly the same person on the same browser. Now, granted, someone else could use my computer and be a slightly different person, but it's a pretty good chance that you're going to get one-to-one. What Fledge and these other you know, non-third-party cookie um, audience targeting solutions are trying to do is broaden that. So instead of having that one-to-one match, you're targeting a cohort of people. So maybe you're targeting a thousand people that are interested in athletic shoes. Um, and what you can do is essentially input a some type of identifier and get back a variety of identifiers instead of that one-to-one direct match. So it's anonymizing the user a lot more in these cohorts um, that help protect user privacy, but still give brands some sense of, of targeting that is direct to whatever they're, they're trying to target. Um, so it's not an ideal solution, but it's better than losing it completely. Um, and I think that's one of the things that the various people within Fledge that are contributing to it are trying to figure out, like, how accurate can we get this without um, inhinging on user privacy? And what's that balance there so that we can continue to let publishers make money and brands advertise in a way that's effective. You just will look back on the day of of how effective it was to be able to have that unique tracker on individual people because I can think about it like you could still get the same level of data like people who looked at a specific product but for it to be meaningful the volumes I imagine will have to be very high. I think that's something I see across like as tech evolves it gets harder for the little guy a little bit and I feel like when you're having to deal with these grouped actions of people it's it's going to work a lot better at scale than it will for the small you know the really small advertisers. Is that probably accurate? It is. So that's one of the things that um, one of the the many reasons that Adderall has been very involved in uh, the Google Privacy Sandbox, various groups and solutions. Uh, We represent about 8,000 SMBs. Um, And so although this solution might work for Nike, it's not going to work for, you know, Joey's candle shop um, that maybe sells 100 candles a month. So we've been actively participating in those to say, hey, you really have to pay attention to SMBs and find a solution for them as well. And part of that is like minimizing the amount that you have to put in to get a cohort back, right? So um, some of the initial solutions say you have to put a thousand IDs in to get a cohort back. Well, if you don't have a thousand known customers, then you can't do any type of good audience targeting. So we've been a proponent of bringing those numbers down um, to a hundred. So that's a little bit more advantageous. Uh, The other things that we've been doing is like really focusing on what are ways to do prospecting better uh, without having a large amount of of known contacts and customers already. Um, So we rebuilt our contextual advertising product 
Um, we've been involved in some of the working groups around contextual um, offerings so that at least you show up in a place that um, most likely is going to be associated with whatever product that you're selling. So there's a variety of ways to help SMBs. I mean, another way is really focusing on, on contact capture. So similar to the publishers uh, that have content and they put it behind a walled garden, as a brand, an e-commerce brand, you want to think about how can I incentivize someone to give me their email address or phone number? Um, can you give them a discount up front if they give that to you? Can you opt them into an exclusive product release if they give you that information? So really helping brands figure out how to get more known contact information and not just have all anonymous users on their site. Yeah, I was reading about Google's, how they're proposing to start doing audience targeting a little bit in in that fully anonymized way where they'll sort of assign categories to groups of users again, not individual users, groups of users who are maybe interested in sporting goods or in this or that based on some of their behavior, but just having it always be in those big groups. Um, hopefully that trickles down to allow audience targeting for everyone, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So in the past, like to get those like broad spectrum interest groups, you'd have to pay a third party company um, that was that specialized in that for that group. And it was typically like a, a dollar CPM for every a thousand impressions you sold just to target that group. In a world where most CPMs are around like a dollar to two dollars, that's pretty expensive and not very accessible for SMBs. So I actually think that's going to be a good solution, um, that more like interest-based targeting that's available to the broad spectrum and doesn't have a, a high markup CPM on it. Um, so that is moving in a, a good direction um, and I think will be helpful for, for smaller companies. I feel like those big third-party players like the Live Ramps and other ones, they're not built. They're not as built, in my experience, for performance marketers who are looking. You know, to just to have your CPM doubled for most performance marketers is a non-starter. So the performance increases would have to be so great. I feel like the, the a lot of those third-party players really came up in that world of agency spend, where it was cost plus, and you're you know you're looking for things more like brand lift and and other bigger things. In your experience, can really good third-party data make the difference to increase targeting enough to justify its cost? No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've worked with, I've worked in the agency side, I've worked with some big brands, and honestly, the social platforms always did it better than those third-party providers. I will say the one caveat for LiveRamp specifically is that they've really changed their focus away from those third-party interest uh, behavioral groups towards helping publishers and ads platforms which shifts the cost off of the advertiser directly, right? So instead of them going to the, the advertiser and saying, buy this segment, they're coming to AdRoll and the New York Times and other publishers and saying, use our solution to help power your, um, your identifiers and your cross-device graph and to utilize multiple types of identifiers um, within each of those. And so what that's doing is setting the cost to AdRoll, um, which is going to trickle down somewhat to advertisers no matter what platform you're using, but you're not gonna have that bulk upfront cost. So I do think they've done a good job pivoting into where it makes the most sense for, for all advertisers to see the benefit of it. Got it. Okay, so you mentioned your email platform, and obviously, you know, with the deprecation of third-party cookies, there's a big priority on on getting that first-party data from your users. So what, what has AdRoll built um, in order to, you know, describe your email tool and like what it's doing in this environment to, to help advertisers. So our email tool is basically 
adding on to what we're doing in ads already. So as third-party cookies go away, as I mentioned, first-party data is more and more important. So we've really focused on building up our partnerships to get that first-party data. So our integration with Shopify allows us to take in email addresses and the corresponding events and then turn those into emails and ads targeting strategies. So an advertiser can come in, import their Shopify data, say I want to run an email and ads campaign targeted to my users. And what we've seen with targeting both of those um, channels against one user is 2x on conversions and happening in half the time. So we're really seeing like that power of the multiple channel effect together. Uh, in addition to that, we've also um, started to integrate into those walled gardens, so Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, because they can still target on their inventory very well. There's logged in users, they know exactly who those users are. Um, so we're kind of becoming this mission control center for advertisers where they can do open web ads, social ads, and emails all together um, and target a user across all three, four, or five of those channels at once. Can you walk me through the use case? Because for some reason, like it doesn't, it sounds like a pretty novel idea to have your emails linked up to actions that people take within ads or within your advertising environment. I always think I always think of email as a little bit more siloed. You're sending on different sending schedules based on how they react within email. Walk me through an example of, of where you'd get a 2x increase on conversion rates by you know having users linked between their email and the actions they take on your website or, or, or the ads. So the best example of it is abandoned carts, uh, which is a great use case for emails, also a great use case for ads. So you, if you come into AdRoll and you say, we call them marketing recipes, I want to set up my abandoned carts marketing recipe across email and ads. We are going to send out the same way emails always work, like the scheduled abandoned carts emails, and you can send you know one, two, three of those, however many um, you've seen work best for you, and we'll give recommendations on that. In addition to that, we allow our bidding algorithms to bid against those same users who have abandoned carts with ads. So those could be the same customers that you're targeting with emails, or it could be right now anonymous users that you don't know. Um, so you're not only targeting the known users, but also the unknown users, and you might be hitting them in multiple places. Um, so those two things can run simultaneously together, and you're not even having to log into two separate platforms to set them up and make sure they're the targeting is cracked across both of them. The thing that's blowing my mind lately, we, we have a media buyer who's running our ads right now for D2C newsletter to get new subscribers essentially. And she recently just sort of ran a report where she looked at only data that came from our CRM, from our email platform, like and basically just used UTM data that found its way all the way to the source of truth, which is like our CRM. And she looked at campaigns, she looked at what Facebook reported across campaigns. And she looked at what our CRM reported as to how many leads came in. And it was just all over the place. It was incredible. Like some of them were 100% undercounted. Some of them were 100% overcounted. And what we found was that when we actually used, instead of using any platform data, we found that by using the data that ended up in our CRM to make our optimization decisions as to which creatives to keep running, which campaigns to keep running, like our results have skyrocketed. Just by using the real source of truth, versus the Facebook proxy, which I guess is a lot of guesswork on exactly how many people convert. Do you have anything to add to that? Like anything, any comments on that? Yeah, I think any ad or marketing platform you're using is 
most likely going to be really generous with their attribution towards themselves. Um, and they're going to count, like on an ads platform, for example, a click and view through attribution, right? Which is two different sources and is not going to be deduplicated against your other channels. AdRoll has actually built what we call our cross-channel reporting dashboard that looks at the paths customers take. So we take all that UTM data from our any of our channels that our customers are running, we pull it all in and we try to create the pathway that a user might have taken, which can be super helpful to know, okay, that we showed them a Facebook ad, then we sent them an email, then they went to our website, then we showed them an add-on, I mean, the New York Times is getting all kind of branding, we sent them an ad in the New York Times, then they converted. Now your HubSpot, you know, UTM data is only going to show that the New York Times got credit, which it got the, the direct credit, right, the click-through credit, which is important, but those other channels probably aided in it. And so having that some type of like pathway analysis can be really helpful to know what influenced this conversion or what was a piece of the advertising that helped. Sometimes the solutions can be very expensive, so recommend to SMBs to try to find something that is a little bit more cost effective, but UTMs can do a pretty good job of, uh, of tracking conversions. So just in that example of they converted on New York Times, but they came from somewhere else, like, did your tool like learn that over time? So it's like, okay, this path to conversion actually works. And, and in that case, like maybe they see it in New York Times. So it's like it has extra credence or something like that. And so therefore, when you have a user again, that is in a multi-touch environment, that your system will actually try to get them onto the same pathway. Is that some of the learning that goes into the AdWell system? Yeah, that's definitely what our ad algorithms do, right? So we're constantly looking at like, which sites convert the best for this particular brand or this specific user and how, you know, we want to pay more when that opportunity comes up first last. So our ads algorithms automatically do that for you. What we're moving towards and we don't have yet is those recommendations. So through the pathway analysis, we see that every time an email is involved in some part of that path, you see a higher conversion. So make sure you're sending emails in these specific um pathways or for this specific product. Um, that data is very hard to levy up into individual channel um, recommendations. And so that's why we don't have it yet. But our, our algorithms automatically take that data and utilize it. So we've mentioned first party data and obviously, you know, just making sure you're collecting email, collecting phone, either using the AdRoll tool or the other ones that are available out there. What else are things that people can do to kind of hedge against, protect against the third-party cookie deprecation? Yeah, I think going off your point about CRMs, invest in a, in a CRM tool. So as you're collecting all that first-party data, you're going to have a vast amount of, of data available. Um, and so a tool like HubSpot or ActiveCampaign is great to organize all that data and have a really well-rounded view of each of your customers and how they interact with your site and potentially your, your ads or marketing channels as well. The other thing we recommend is to build strong relationships with your customers. So as I mentioned, when you are asking for an email, give them something in return, um, whatever that may be for your individual product. Uh, another way we see advertisers build trust with customers is through loyalty and reviews programs. The reviews really help customers know that you are a trusted brand because other people have reviewed you and have a, a good review of your, your offering. And the loyalty programs can help with that as well. Um, and then the last thing that we're seeing a shift towards is, is focusing on zero-party data. So when it comes to website personalization, let the customer tell you about themselves, what their preferences are, 
what their purchase intentions are, who they are. Essentially offer them to fill out a form and recommend products to them that fit their specific needs. The one caveat here is don't overdo that. Don't ask them every single time or in every single page, but that starts to let you do some website personalization, potentially collect their email or phone number through the experience that they have. So really it's like get to know your customer, let them tell you about themselves and make sure that they trust you um, because that first party data won't be shared unless there's that trust built. Yeah, whether it's post-purchase surveys, which is something almost every brand that comes on the podcast advocates or running top of funnel quizzes that, you know, help people with product recommendations. Both of those are, are super hot topics for people to collect that zero party data, as you say. So I think, and I think don't overdo it is a great tip as well. It's, it's just not, uh, you know, still, still just let them make those buying decisions without too much heavy handedness, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. I, it's a balance, right? Like you don't want to be asking, I, I get annoyed when I go onto a brand's website and they ask me for their my email address every single time. But sometimes I'm really in the mood or sometimes I'm like really happy with what I found and I'm happy to get my email address. So it's a delicate balance of really getting to know who your customers are and figure out when is the right moment. So as AdRoll has evolved as a platform, it'd be easy to go with feature creep. Like there's so many different areas that you could kind of build in. I think one thing that you guys do well is sort of allow, I'm thinking about like the way you would integrate with something like Yotpo, for instance, where instead of like, do, you know, building a customer review tool, you just make it really easy for people to port their Yotpo reviews into the ad funnel via ad roll. Was that sort of a conscious decision to just uh, do what you guys do best and then integrate partners that do best in other areas? Exactly. Yeah. I think there's like a trend towards this, right? So more and more platforms are focusing on one thing that they do really well, which is great. Um, it can also be really overwhelming if you're an SMB and trying to figure out the 25 tools that you need. What I would suggest brands going through this is make sure that all the platforms you're selecting are interoperable. Either look at the integrations page or talk to the sales rep and ask them, hey, do you integrate with Shopify? Hey, do you integrate with Yotpo or HubSpot or whoever your tools may be? And as you're selecting a marketing and ads platform, pay attention to that especially because what you want to be able to do is have a, an ads platform that's going to allow you to import all of that data seamlessly and set up for your targeting. That's exactly what we've done. We've done all these integrations. We're never going to build a reviews product. Uh, we're never going to build a CRM, but we want to be able to utilize our customers' data from them. And so we import that and make it really accessible to utilize it in your ads and email campaigns. So that's been our goal. I think that's going to be the continuous trend moving forward. I, we, you just can't build everything um, and do it well. And so we've tried to stay pretty specific to email and um, ads and do the best we can there. Smart. Okay, so who's listening? You know, we've got uh, we've got thousands of uh, brands and entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast. Who are you speaking to? Who who needs to go to AdRoll.com right now and and check out your the whole the whole suite? Really, we cater towards two uh, types of brands. So all within e-commerce, we do really well with with retail in particular, but all e-commerce brands. Uh, for the SMB brands, I highly recommend our email and ads product together. For mid-market and enterprise, our ads product with our connected channels has been a very popular option. Um, right now, if you're a larger brand running paid media, you have to log into 
your Facebook platform, your TikTok platform, your Pinterest platform, your ads platform. When you sign up with AdRoll, you can access all of the reporting right in the same place, make all of your optimizations in one place. So that's been uh, the key offering for the, the mid-market or enterprise e-commerce brands. And it built in display, which I feel it's it's actually where I, I came from, the display, the programmatic world, um, spent a while there. And I feel like it's an area that a lot of brands neglect a little bit, like with such a heavy focus on paid social. But to get it all in one place and have your paid social work with your display, work with your email is a pretty attractive uh, offering, I would imagine. Is that is, Do you feel like display is something that's a little underappreciated uh, in today's ad environment? Yeah, so that's what essentially when we're talking to like the Shopify Plus team, what we say is have your brands max out on their Google and Facebook spend, they should use AdRoll. Because especially with the the decrease in performance on Facebook and increasing prices, uh, it becomes more and more important to make sure you're utilizing more display ads and different channels there to bring down your cost and, and find users in new places. So um, that's really been our pitch is that we are the third option there for you to utilize as you're starting to see your ROI not be as impactful across Facebook and Google. And just to be clear, when you mention your email tool, that's, is this an email tool that works with something like Klaviyo or is it an ESP itself? I would say it works with something like Klaviyo. So right now it has a couple of options. Um, for an SMB brand, it can be your only email tool, right? So you can come and use it and it's going to do your abandoned cart campaigns. It has newsletters that you can send out. So it will fit all your needs. But as you're growing, something like Klaviyo is going to have a little bit more um, features and functionalities that are going to be beneficial for a larger brand. So our email product works really well for those newer uh, e-commerce customers. Very cool. So do you fear the cookie apocalypse? Do you like at 2023 rolls around? Like, are you are you fretting what that's going to be like? Or are you pretty confident that we'll have it that Google well, Google has a lot of interest to have it sorted out by then? That's for sure. What are your thoughts on, on what it'll look like in 2023? If I hadn't been in ad tech for 15 years, I would be very nervous um, being in the ad tech industry for so long. I mean, this is not the first time we've gone through something like this. Um, and platforms always figure out a way around it. Um, so I'm not super concerned. I think the the multi-year timeline that Google has given to ads platforms uh, has been really nice. It's a benefit that they've provided that Apple often doesn't. Um, and so I think a solution is going to, multiple solutions are going to come out of that that really helps aid brands in this and also publishers. So I would say I feel pretty confident that n Things are going to change, but uh, brands and platforms will adjust to make sure they're still able to perform. Anything to leave the audience with or on this topic? Any What, what, what final words around uh, third-party cookies and ad roll would you like to leave the audience with? I would say if you haven't thought about it yet, it's time to start thinking about it uh, and preparing for it. Uh, if you've been preparing over the last couple of years, you're probably in a good place. Um, and don't get too worried about it. The the platforms are hard at work and figuring out solutions for you and, and should be communicating those with you and, and helping you sort through it. The only thing I would say is like, Talk to your platforms, ask them for what they think you should do um, and make sure you're, you're reading what they're putting out because they're going to want you to be successful. Uh, so people wanting to know more about AdRoll, just go to adroll.com. Uh, if they want to speak to you, is there a platform that you do uh, any corporate communication through LinkedIn or email? Yeah, my LinkedIn, it's Lizzie Chapman. Uh, find me on there and send me a message. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the D2C podcast today, Lizzie. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.